Our scripture reading for this morning is Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. Let's pray together. Our great God, we recognize that our life today is a gift from you. We recognize that our faith in your son is a gift from you. We recognize that this gathering of believers is a gift from you. We recognize that your word, written and preserved, is a gift from you. We recognize that you want us to love you and serve you and trust you and glorify your name. And we need your help. So our great God, would you speak to us through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for worshiping with us today. If you have not done so, please take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Now, I see this graphic up here that calls our study of Galatians life by the Spirit. And those of you who've been with us for the last couple of months, if you've been an astute listener, you would say, when are we going to talk about the Spirit? And that would be a fair question, because thus far, we really haven't. We chose to name this series A Life by the Spirit, because where we are today, the verses that John just read for us, that is the punch of the book of Galatians. It's the punch that says, this is how I want you to live. Thus far, what Paul has argued for chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 is this. You don't need circumcision and you don't need submission to the law of Moses to walk in the way of Jesus. That's been the argument. Now Paul's going to say, but you get to walk in a better way. You get to walk by the Spirit. And so today's sermon is entitled, By the Spirit. And here's the main point. If we're Christians today, we are free from the law because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And as Shane shared earlier, there's nothing that must be added to that. 
If we stopped there, many of us might say, oh, so I can just do whatever I want to. Uh, Not really. Oh, so I can just indulge every desire. No, not really. But you said we're free from the law. Yes, we are free from the law through faith in Jesus And we are led by the Spirit into a God-pleasing life. God cares about morality. God cares about how his people live. He is just going to get us to where he wants us in a way very different than law-keeping. He's going to get us there empowered by the Spirit, free from the law through faith in Jesus, led by the Spirit into a God-pleasing life. That's the summary, the summation of our faith. That's the summary of the book of Galatians. And here in the middle of chapter 5, we're going to begin to hone in on this idea of led by the Spirit into a life pleasing to God. First point. The new invitation. I want to go back, actually, to verse 13. The end of last week's passage. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay, well, how do I use my freedom? Verse 16. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the new invitation is to walk by the Spirit, verse 16. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The new invitation is to live a life led by the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the new invitation is to a life empowered, a life strengthened, a life transformed, a life made new by the Holy Spirit who dwells within believers. Walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step by the Spirit. So Paul is declaring with great emphasis, you in Christ are free from the law. We do not have to perform for God's love. We do not have to work out our own righteousness to be called children of God. We do not have to add up and meet demands and stack up in our morality to be accepted by God. What we need is Christ and what he has done for us. Amen. But now here's the better way. We who have Christ have 
the Spirit. And the Spirit will change our desires. The Spirit will change our thinking. The Spirit will empower holy living. The Spirit will move us in the ways that the Lord wants to move us. So let's get our gospel right. If I said the gospel is this, the Son of God took on human flesh, lived, died, rose again, taking away the punishment of sin and death so that all who would call on his name could be called children of God, free from sin, declared righteous, made new. We would say amen. And nothing else is required. Amen. But do you want me to make it something as sweet as possible, taste even sweeter? And God's going to send his spirit to change your being and change your desires and move you along in the better way. That's the invitation. That's the invitation. So I just want to call on us today to hear this invitation. Don't use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but use our freedom as an opportunity to learn the joy of living empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to talk about sin and flesh. We're going to talk about spirit and life. We're going to talk about inheriting the kingdom and not inheriting the kingdom. We're going to talk about imperatives. But before we get into all of that, let's just see this. Ultimately, Paul's inviting these Galatians into a better way, a more freeing way, a more joyful way. And I just want us, before we dive into works of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit to say the invitation is to something better, to something better, to walk in the ways of the Lord, not in my own strength, but empowered by the Spirit of the Lord is the better way. It's the better way. Okay. If it's better, how is it better? Second point. The crucified flesh. The crucified flesh. So what Paul does in these 11 verses is he introduces a tension. The Bible sure does seem to love tensions, doesn't it? But he introduces a tension, and the tension is between the flesh and the spirit. It's between the flesh and the spirit. We see it right there in verse 1. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that seems to imply there's a tension. But then Paul goes on, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. That's a pretty explicit tension, right? One thing is against the other. And the desires of the other are against the one thing. For these are opposed to each other. So Paul's saying we got a tension here. We got a tension here. What's the tension? The flesh 
in this scripture is not talking about our skin and muscle and those tissues, but the flesh is an idiom to speak of the sinful nature. It's an idiom to speak of man in rebellion against God. And the Spirit is speaking of the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within believers to change how we think, how we speak, and how we live. So in case that's not clear enough, what does the flesh look like? Verse 19. Um, I understand that we have a vast age range here, so we're not going to dive down on these too much. But what does this sinful humanity and rebellion against God look like? Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And so I'm assuming you guys are all listening. You're going, man, I am so glad that when I became a follower of Christ... All that fleshly tension just went right out of me. Just gone. Forever. Oh, that's not how it worked for you guys? Okay. But, but, but we kind of noticed some patterns here, right? Sexual sin. Sins of worshiping the wrong God. Human-on-human sin. Again and again and again. So Paul says the flesh looks a lot like the sins condemned in the law of Moses. Right? The flesh looks a lot like the sins condemned in the law of Moses. But I thought we weren't under the law. We're not. We're free from it. But that doesn't mean the law was wrong. The law was intended to show us what sin looks like. And the things that God said was a sin on Mount Sinai in the middle of a desert thousands of years ago are still an offense to God today, and they always will be. Therefore, Paul would go on and say, Verse 21, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, that's like a big stop sign. Slow down and think about this. So what Paul is saying is, those of us whose lives are unbrokenly, unrepentantly, unhesitatingly committed to the works of the flesh will evidence again and again and again. There's no spirit in us. And I'm telling you, the children of God, the children of the kingdom will not look like unbroken, unrepentant, unhesitating. 
hesitant, fleshly living. It will not. And so you might be sitting here going, that sounds a lot like keep the law. It's not. Because Paul says the Lord's going to move his people to the desired outcome in a very different way. The law keeping that Paul is calling down is this. You know what God wants, now go and do it. You know what God wants, generate the strength. You know what God wants, just stop it. Why is it so hard? Just quit. Just change your behavior. That's not what Paul's offering here. He says God's going to redeem his people, free them from the law, and then move them into a new life in a very different way by putting his spirit within them, by empowering them, by giving them strength, and by moving them forward to be transformed. The spirit is the work of God in a believer. It's the tearing down of the flesh. And Paul says, verse 22, let me tell you what that looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if we put this together, what Paul is saying is the law exposes the work of the flesh. God always opposes the works of the flesh. But the way to move away from the works of the flesh is not by mere human effort, but it's through the work of the Holy Spirit in us to change who we are. So here's the, the, the good news. Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying that, that Christ has broken the power of the flesh within us. Christ has broken the power of the flesh to own us and possess us and dominate us. But we still, Christians, have this tension. As long as we are in these earthly bodies, there's flesh and there's spirit. Verse 17 says there's a tension, a battle going on within. But the people of Jesus have the Spirit. The people of Jesus are not, do not have to allow the flesh to win. The people of Jesus are being transformed by the Spirit. So let's do just a little application here before we move to our third point. Number one, if you're in Christ, God is concerned with your thoughts, words, and deeds. There is a difference between God is judging your performance and God is 
concerned. And I think most of us hear, God's not judging my performance, so my life doesn't matter. Does that square with what we read in these passages? In one sense, if I'm in Christ, my life will not root me out, but the Lord who redeemed me and the Lord who saved me is concerned with my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. He's concerned with how we live. Think about it this way, parents. Your kids act up on the way to church this morning? Did you think about leaving them on the side of the road? Well, let me rephrase that. For more than five seconds... Did you think about leaving them on the side of the road and disowning them from your family? If you did, just sit on your hand, okay? No, no. But are you concerned that they amend their behavior and walk in your ways more joyfully? Yeah, it's okay to say yeah. So so one of the American struggles, I think, with a gospel of free grace is the assumption that a gospel of free grace means a life with no bounds. And that's just not true. Jesus redeemed us from the law so that we could joyfully live by the Spirit and walk in God's ways. So it's not free from the law to do whatever we want, but it's free from the law to walk in the better way, to walk in God's way. So the declaration is this, to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is the better way, the more joyful way, the more faithful way, the more fruitful way than to walk in sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is the better way. And God is concerned that we as his beloved children walk in the better way. Number two, number two. If we're in Christ, we are able to turn away from the flesh. If we're in Christ, we are able to turn away from the flesh flesh. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We are able, not because of us, but because of the spirit who lives within us, we're able to fight against and turn away from the flesh. We have to believe that. One of the ways that the Spirit do, not the Spirit, whoa, beep, rewind. Is this one? Oh, this is online. Oh, no, okay. The Spirit of God doesn't dupe anyone. One of the ways that Satan dupes us is by convincing us that we're not able to do any different than what our sinful flesh already has us doing. Galatians 5 tells a different story, does it not? The flesh has been crucified. Not just the works of the flesh, but its passions and its desires. So while I just can't help myself, might be a convicting moment of honesty, it's not theologically true 
if we're in Christ. Now go home and argue differently. Go home and parent differently. This says that if we're in Christ, it might not be easy. It might be very difficult. It might be clouded by all sorts of pre-existing baggage. But it says we are able. And if we believe we're able, we'll keep pushing along. And keep pushing forward. And not give Number three, this means that we need to have realistic expectations of unbelievers. This means we need to have realistic expectations of unbelievers. Now, I'm not suggesting if you're an employer and you have unbelievers working for you that you shouldn't be like, be on time, pass a drug test, don't steal. Like, you should do that. And if they fail to do those things, you're free to do whatever you need to, okay? I'm not getting into that. But what I'm saying is, so often in counseling situations, in parenting situations, in interpersonal meltdowns, there are believers who love the Bible and love Galatians 5 who are hurt and wounded and angry that unbelieving people are acting like unbelievers. So whoever that person is in your world characterized by sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, they need Christ. Because the only path toward love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is the work of the Spirit to crucify the flesh that's dominating. Have rules. Expect rules to be followed in the human realm. But understand that apart from Christ, the flesh is what is on display. There is a robustly hopeful theology in these verses that the flesh is crucified by Christ and the spirit of God dwells within to radically change how we live. Third point, the fruitful spirit. The fruitful spirit. Uh, We live in an age where pastors are getting tarred and feathered rightfully for plagiarizing left and right. And I'm still not sure if it's okay for me to plagiarize me. So this point comes from a previous sermon. Let me just put that out there. Just want to go on record. But if we read these verses again with this banner, where does... Paul's confidence lie in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. On whom is he confident? The Galatians? No. The spirit who's in the Galatians. Notice verse 16. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Why? 
He's, com- he's confident in the Spirit. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Why? He's confident in the Spirit. So Paul is extremely confident that the Spirit bears the fruit of the Spirit. And that sounds so redundant, but hear it. Where does love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, where did these things come from? They come from the Spirit. So if you're in any human interaction with a believer who is evidencing more flesh than spirit, our prayer is for the spirit of God who dwells within that believer to work and convict and move and shape and bear fruit. Second. When we face our own, our own sin and our own temptation, where do we look? We look to the Spirit who dwells within. Verse 16, walk by the Spirit. That's, that means move through life empowered by the Spirit. Verse 18, Led by the Spirit. That means follow where the Spirit is leading. Verse 25, live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live by means let our life be shaped by the Spirit. Keep in step means move along with the Spirit. All four of these verbs, walk, led, live, keep in step, are present tense, ongoing verbs. Three of them are active verbs, which convey that the Spirit has given us life so that we can engage in pursuing the fruit of the Spirit, so that we can engage in sanctification. Wait, wait, I thought we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were. I thought we couldn't bring anything to the table of our salvation. We couldn't. And maybe some of us can't. But Christ, Ephesians 2 says, has made us alive. We're not dead anymore. We're breathing. We're alive. And so Paul says, Christian, move. Christian, follow. Christian, live. Christian, walk with the Spirit, which means when we face sin and we face temptation and we face crossroads in life, we look to the Lord for help. We look to the Lord for guidance. We look to the Lord to restrain our flesh. We look to the Lord to empower our obedience. We look to the Lord. And so I want us to actually look to the Lord, to actually ask for help, and to actually seek to walk with him. 
Number three, the spirit who gives life and dwells within has, has inspired the scripture. So we can walk by the spirit and follow the spirit and live by the spirit by taking up the Bible and hearing the word of the Lord as inspired by the spirit. In the face of our sin, we ask for help from the Spirit. In those places where there is no way that what I want to ooze out of me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I can plead with the Spirit to bear fruit in those hard places. But Paul is not painting a picture of passively sitting on our hands and waiting on the Spirit to do all the sanctifying work. He's painting a picture of living spiritual beings moving with their leader, moving toward the way of Christ, empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, why would Paul write this? Well, one, he knows that sin is a prison that Christ is delivering the Galatians from. Two, he knows that submission to the law of Moses for righteousness is a prison that the Judaizers are trying to lead the Galatians into. And three, he knows that humanity defaults to libertarianism. Humanity defaults to, I'll do what I want, whenever I want, however I want, because I want to. And Paul's saying that's not what God has for us. I say, move toward love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because these are the good gifts that God is working for us. Final point. The fruit of the Spirit is not just about us, but it radically shapes how we interact with others. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Well, how do we not do that? We walk by the Spirit. So this morning, I'm going to end this sermon this way. If we're in Christ, we're free from the weight of the law through faith in Jesus. And we're led by the Spirit into a God-pleasing life. Let us be the people who keep in step with the Spirit in a way that we find more joy in God more love for God, more love for one another, more love for the world, and bear much fruit that pleases our Lord and glorifies his name. So now, our Father in God, we pray you would take these words which you have spoken today, and as much as they are right and true and good, we pray you would cause us to hear them and believe them. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today who is far from you, separated from you, trapped in sin and death,
We pray this day you would bring salvation and deliverance. We pray that you you would bear much fruit in us. We pray this in Jesus' name.